Well, very strong job numbers and ISM surveys have seen a sharp rise in equities in the US, reaching new highs for the S&P and the Dow. Optimism for New Zealand today. Will the Trans-Tasman bubble be announced? And what will the RBA say today? Obviously, no rate change. Uh, but also, China, manufacturing PMIs. They slowed last week. What will be the story for services today? It's Tuesday, the 6th of April, 2021. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, FX markets were trading normally yesterday, during which the uh, the US dollar has fallen almost half a percent. The Aussie was up over half a percent, uh, over 76.5 US cents now. The pound up almost as much. The euro is a little behind, but not much. Ten-year Treasury yields, uh, which were down six basis points on Thursday, recovered on Friday. They held it on Monday, now a little shy of 1.72%. Most equity markets uh, were closed yesterday, but not in the United States, where the direction was firmly up, up to new highs, in fact. 1.1% up for the Dow, the S&P 500 has broken the 4,000 mark for the first time. The Nasdaq not reaching a high, but you look like a 1.6% increase is heading in that direction. So why this enthusiasm? Well, Ray Atrell is head of FX strategy at NAB in Sydney. I mean, surely a lot of it is to do with, first of all, the ISM numbers for the US on Thursday. That's what done it, Ray. Uh, the manufacturing PMI rising 60 point, from 60.8 in February to 64.7 in March. That was on Friday. Then this morning, uh, the services PMIs are out, uh, also well up, 63.7 in March from 55.3. I think this is the highest ever, isn't it? Uh, it is. Good morning, Phil. And uh, no, there's been a um, you know a litany of, of uber strong US numbers since we left mm. off on Thursday. As you say, manufacturing ISM on Thursday up um, what four points, um, you know, and it's, it's unusual to see these numbers sort of sustaining levels above sixty. And then the ISM services sixty three point seven. So yes, there's a shorter time period for that. Nineteen ninety seven was when the services, or as it used to be called, the non manufacturing ISM was first published. But that's still what twenty four years ago. Um, so a record right, number for okay. there. Also of note that the prices paid um, component, you know, also shot up seventy four from seventy one point seven. That's the highest level that we've seen. Since well, mid-2008. Supply chain. So we before. can't read that supply chain stuff, isn't it? Presumably, have you got we've got all this because there's also a big rise in new orders, a big rise in business activity. It's going to be hard to get the stuff that would be pushing prices up. No, I think I think there's an element of that. And actually, um, um, Loretta Mester, the uh, Fed official, has just been on the wires just as we're uh, starting to record this, saying that she doesn't think, uh, or that, you know, the companies that she's talking to, or the Fed's talking to, still don't think they've got pricing power. So I think to, to that point, I think it's, it's probably right that um, mm. supply chain issues are. Certainly part of the story. And then obviously sandwiching um, between those two ISMs, we had the payrolls numbers on yes. Friday. Uh, and another a blockbuster affair, 916,000 jobs, uh, expected to be, what, 660,000, 156,000 worth of upward revisions to the prior two months, unemployment rate down to 6% from 6.2. So, um, you know, and the underemployment rate, which is something we very much focus on down here in Australia, um, you know, fell to 10.7 from 11. So all round, um, you know, really good news on the US economic front. Other one thing I should mention is I've just been looking at what we call economic surprises indices, which are, which are published on um, on Bloomberg, and they're actually showing that eurozone surprises are more positive than the US. Which I must have I'm scratching my head a little bit to, to, mm. to know which numbers, but obviously we had those very um, uh, better than expected PMI numbers across the eurozone, didn't we, last week? So if, you know, for all the sort of superficial story about the, the US going gangbusters and uh, and Europe still you know in the doldrums um, suffering obviously from um, infection rates and, and slow rollout of the vaccines the um, you know the if we add all the numbers up actually it's uh, there are more upside surprises from the eurozone so that uh, that's yeah. worth noting 
Well, those payroll numbers uh, sort of told the complete opposite of the initial jobless claims in the US the the, the day before, which were up to 719,000 for the week of the 27th of March, which is a big increase on 658 from the week before. So whether that means that things are starting to turn or whether we just ignore those. But what in the non-farm payrolls, the average hourly earnings has fallen. So that must be a sign, I guess, that lower paid jobs are coming back, which is, you know, it, I, ironically, it's a good sign, isn't it? Because obviously lower paid jobs are better than no job at all. No, that's it. So these uh, the the earnings numbers are not what they call stratified, effectively. So at an annual rate, average earnings came down from five point three in February to four point two percent in March, and it's exactly that. So most mm. of the jobs coming back, it was driven by the leisure and hospitality were the sectors that showed the biggest uh, job gains, and also the ones obviously that have some of the lowest wages. Well, we get the jolts numbers, the job opening numbers out later today, won't we? So that uh, that might add to the to the good news story for for U.S. employment, or maybe not. <laughs> we'll see what those figures show us. But I mean, the market reaction has been strong. Is it going to continue? Well, that's the curious thing, right? So if you uh, if you you know woken up this morning as I did, and I have been looking at a screen, but if you hadn't looked at a screen for four days and then were told what the ISMs had done and what the payrolls were done, I would have guessed that 10-year Treasury yields would probably be north of uh, 1.8%, having reached a high of, mm. what, 1.775 um, Tuesday last week. Here we are at 1.71. So Treasury yields are actually lower than they were before this, um, this this swathe of, of, of numbers, the stock market has loved the message. So we've got, as you say, we broke yeah. the 4,000 level on the S&P, I think last Wednesday or Thursday, Wednesday night or Thursday. And um, and here we are, um, you know, about 2%, <coughs> excuse me, 2% up on that. So um, another sort mm. of 1% plus gain on top of the 1% plus gain that we had on Friday. So clearly stock markets are liking the um, the signals of um, you know incipient yep. strong recovery and and not too worried about uh, bond yields up above one point seven um, and the dollar also uh, weaker rather than stronger yep. which I think is testament to the fact that you know when re- that the, the dollar is still proving negatively related to risk sentiment so when risk sentiment is as strong as it is and I noticed that VIX measure. You know, has really broken yes. out of its range, trading well below Lower 20 since now. February last year. That's right. Yeah, that down um, to almost 18. Yeah. Yeah. So I yeah. think part of the dollar story is, um, you know, is, is risk sentiment. At, uh, so interesting that the dollar is the dollar is struggling here. Uh, bond yields are struggling to go higher and, and onwards and upwards for risk sentiment. Certainly seems to be. Yeah. And, and, you know, the flip side of that, obviously, is the Aussie dollar, which was, um, I think we were down at a new year-to-date low of 75.35, I believe, um, last Thursday, um, actually just after we we closed on Thursday, and here we are at seventy six fifty. So um, you know, a pretty strong sort of one and a half percent turnaround from uh, last week's lows, and, and again, risk sentiment and a softer dollar, obviously a big part of that story. Yeah, it's not been a quiet Easter, has it? That's for sure. And look, the uh, the UK is pushing on with reopening. Uh, it, it's reopening schedule. Shops are going to open there next week. Uh, not the same in Europe, uh, despite the surprises that you've been talking about. I mean, France now is nearly up to forty thousand a day in terms of infections on average. It, it reached almost sixty one thousand on. Sunday, which is its second highest day ever since this pandemic began. So it's not looking good on the continent. They've got elections a year away. Marine Le Pen is on a par with Emmanuel Macron now in the opinion polls for the next president. So there could be some uh, consequences from all of this that might roll on into next year. Quite possibly, yes. But uh, as I say, certainly just, you know, there has just been a complete absence of, uh, of good news on that front. As I say, notwithstanding that the numbers are showing a degree of resilience, um, you know, the, the news mm. on, on infections, the news on, uh, on vaccine rollout 
about still hasn't really improved, hasn't it? And uh, the other thing I was looking at no. was some of these, which I think will be a th an issue later in the year, so-called hesitancy rates, you know, who who's willing and, and, and wants to get the vaccine. If you look at France, something like 50% of the population said they don't want the vaccine. Yeah, and, um, you know, if that proves to be no reality, um, they're never going to get herd immunity, yeah. are they? So um, anyway, no, let's move on and talk about something look, positive. Look, the IMF is releasing its... <laughs> yes, something positive. Well, look, the IMF is releasing its, uh, its updated forecast uh, in the uh, World Economic Outlook later today. So let me guess, they're going to upgrade the forecast for the UK and the US, well, perhaps the UK, certainly for the US, and perhaps uh, downgrade Europe a little bit. Uh, quite possibly. I'm not even sure they'll downgrade Europe. But um, the last time the IMF uh, World mm. Economic Outlook was last autumn, so they're coming into their spring meetings. Uh, Jay Powell, incidentally, will be speaking later in the week. Um, their last update on global growth was 5.5% for 2021. So I think it's a, you know, it's, it's a sure thing. It's a sure bet that the number overall will be higher than 55 But as you say, I think the interest will be in the in the breakdown. And, and as we saw from the OECD a few weeks back, almost certainly the US will show the biggest upgrade because of the fiscal stimulus plans that were packages that were approved both in December and, uh, and last month. So I think that uh, yeah. they will account for a good chunk of the revision upwards to global yeah. growth. Plus what's to come as well with the next one as well. Look, the RBA today, obviously no change, but they've been signalling that inflation is not going to be an issue until 2024. So you know, it could be several years before we see any rate increase. So is there any to, reason to assume that they're going to change their rhetoric on that? And, and what is the story going to be with QE? Um, well, nothing on QE. Remember the, um, you know, the QE2 um, the 100 billion plan that they announced a couple of meetings ago hasn't even started yet. So there's no reason for that starts in April and runs through September, um, at least. So uh, no reason for any announcement there. Uh, policy rates unchanged. There's a little bit of speculation. Uh, there are a couple of uh, source or one source story last week suggesting that the RBA might be, you know, starting to deliberate on what it's going to do with its yield curve control target, specifically whether it might shift its focus from the April 2024 government bond to November 2024. Again, we think it uh, doesn't have to make that decision yet. I think it's probably for a few meetings time. But uh, were we to get an announcement there um, that they are going to move to the November 24 bond, which is not our current expectation, um, you know, that would be seen as a, as a sort of further underscoring that the dovish nature and, and, and essentially saying that rates are not going to go up and, you know, the best part of four years time. So again, not expecting it. But if we were to see a surprise today, I think that's probably where it would, we should look for it. And what about house prices? I mean, we've got the RBA financial stability review out later in the week. Uh, is that going to talk about house prices? I've seen the AFR today, the vast bunch of economists. I didn't see your name down there, Ray. Well, you're not really an no, economist, strategist. are you? But, um, no, come on, Strategy, exactly. That's why you weren't there. They asked a whole bunch of economists uh, what they thought you know was going to happen to house prices over the next uh, f a couple of years. Twenty percent seems to be the, uh, the, the 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 prediction from a lot of people over the next few years. I mean, Core Logic, of course, has got it already about ten percent over the last twelve months, hasn't it? So is the RBA going to be a bit worried about that? Not at this stage. I think they've made it very clear that, um, and, and certainly, um, you know, Wayne Byers from. Uh, from APRA was suggesting that at this stage he's got no concerns on that front. Um, but then, you know, we look across, you know, different parts of the world. You look at Canada, um, house price mm. inflation above 20% in, in some provinces. Um, you look at New Zealand, yeah. you know, they had, they've got house price inflation, you know, knocking on the door of 20%. And obviously the government has taken some pretty radical actions to try and, uh, and, and curb enthusiasm in the housing market there. Um, you know, but we're only, you know, we're, we're barely back to where we were, um, a couple of years ago. So I think it's, uh, it's very premature to think that anything's going to happen there. So that their narrative on house prices will, it will certainly rate a mention in the financial stability, um, 
review, but be very surprising if there's anything in there suggesting that, um, you know, there might be a need for some macro prudential rules anytime soon. So job vacancy numbers, they're going to be important today in Australia, aren't they? Particularly as JobKeeper has gone. That's right. So, uh, yeah, so these numbers for March are pretty timely. We're only in the first week of April. So I think that will be uh, the main point of focus. We're also going to get the the Kaisin China services services PMI and also the possible announcement of a trans-Tasman bubble. So, um, this afternoon, waiting for, yeah. with, for that with interest this afternoon. So very quickly on those PMIs before we go, because the manufacturing one was down last week. In fact, they reached a peak, didn't they, in November, and it's been on the slide since then. Are we seeing the same thing with services as well? Well, services has been lagging, so that's been one of the features of the recovery is that clearly, you know, domestic demand mm. and services have lagged behind manufacturing. It is expected to show a small increase, but uh, if that also shows a downside surprise, it would certainly play to that view. And I was reading in the Financial Times uh, over the weekend that uh, the Chinese authorities are ordering the banks to curb bank lending because of, again, concerns about house price inflation. So, um, you know, certainly yeah. there's, a, there's a few negative omens there, if you like. So let's Around see what the world. today. Yeah. All right. Very good. Great to talk, Ray. Catch you again very soon. Thank you. Well, Dave. Thanks, Phil. And that's it for this morning. I'm Phil Dobby for now. Back again tomorrow. See you then.